Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is Friday on the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Good morning. Have you had your caffeine yet, everybody? How you feeling on this Friday? I've had caffeine, but just a little. You know, I, I used to actually worry, guys, that I was drinking too much caffeine. And, you know, sometimes you do something and you're like, eh, it's probably good for me. And then you meet someone and you're like, whoa, they do it a lot worse than me. And then maybe you feel a little bit better about yourself. Maybe. Not so much. Yeah. 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 You do. I mean, I, I drink water and I drink a lot of Diet Mountain Dew. And when it comes to soft drinks, Diet Mountain Dew has some of the most, when you compare it to other, you know, your common soft drinks, has most caffeine, 52.2 milligrams in a 12-ounce can. It's a lot. Then you remember that actually, ooh, you compare that to some the big cups of coffee, it's not as much. Now, how much are you drinking? I mean, I'm drinking like three or four. I guess when all is said and done, it, it equals out to, by the time I'm done in a day, probably a, a venti Pike Place roast from Starbucks or something, which again is nothing compared to some people, like former Saints assistant head coach, now Lions head coach Dan Campbell, and many of you noticed it in the headlines the last few days. If, if, you, if you missed it, if you missed it, this is what he had to say. So normally what I do is I get, I'll get two venti. I go to, you know, Starbucks, I get two venti of the pipe with two shots in them. So black eye in both. That's what I come in with. That's how I start the day. I mean, you, you hear the crowd in the background. That wasn't a normal media press conference. It sounds like, you hear the audio, if I just played it for you out of context, you would think it was just the, the setup to some joke that's coming at somebody's stand-up special. But no, this is not a joke. This is really Dan Campbell. So normally what I do is I get, I'll get two venti. I go to, you know, Starbucks. I get two venti of the pipe with two shots in them. So black eye in both. And that's what I come in with. That's how I start the day. That's how he starts the day. Now, I, this is all according to Google, but a Starbucks Pike Place Rose Venti has 410 milligrams of caffeine. One. He just said he drinks two. That's 820. He said he puts two shots of espresso in each one. You know how much caffeine a shot of espresso has? 64 milligrams of caffeine. So he puts four of those in. That's 264. I'm not great at math, but it's, come on, this is simple math. 820 plus 264 is 1,076 milligrams of caffeine. Dan Campbell puts that in his body before 8 a.m. Per the FDA, up to 400 milligrams of caffeine a day is safe for most healthy adults. More than that, yeah, it's not, like, you... Dan Campbell drinks enough caffeine each morning to kill a horse. Good Lord. And, it, and I've said it many times. When it comes to coaches like this, especially when they're just getting started, it's fun, it's great, and if the Lions are the typical Lions and they're losing 
all of these jokes and things that everyone loves and laughs at shift and the focus and laughter will be squarely on Dan Campbell. Winning and losing changes everything around you. You got an issue in a locker room where you're winning, eh, you figure it out. You hold it off. You have an issue in a locker room you're losing, it can blow up. You're winning all the tough guy, football guy stuff. It's tremendous. It's funny. It's great. You're losing. Suddenly, this guy's talking about, you know, biting off kneecaps, drinking 1,100 milligrams of caffeine in an hour each morning, and how much he loves that his team is fighting in training camp, and now that shifts to, okay, this 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 is a joke. The Lions win. Oh, my God. This is, this. I mean, put them on the cover of Time Magazine. We'll see what comes next, but holy shiitake mushrooms. 1,076 milligrams of caffeine each morning. It really does sound like it's from stand-up special. I don't know what the follow-up beat would be to it, but. So normally what I do is I get, I'll get two venti. I go, you know, Starbucks, I get two venti. Of the pipe with so black eye and both. That's what I come in with. That's how I start. Enter the bedroom. And my wife's like, "What's going on?" And then I go to sleep. <laughs> Bad stand-up. Sorry. It's the great Scott Show. Good morning, everybody. I see. I, I thought I was jacked up on caffeine, but I realized no, I'm not. I'm I'm nothing compared to Dan Campbell, who can drink more caffeine than a T-Rex. We got plenty in store for you this morning. Uh, my boy Gus is on vacation, so Pro Nola segment we're going to divide into two. Ross Jackson will join me to talk some Saints. He is from the uh, Locked On Network and uh, Canal Street Chronicles website, co-managing editor for that, covering the Saints, host of Locked On Saints. And then my guy Chris Connor, who's just tremendous. He writes for the birdrights.com and Canal Street Chronicles with the Saints. And um, he's going to join me to talk some pals. And we got some good Raging Cajun football chatter for you. Audio for you from yesterday, Billy Napier, some other assistant coaches, some football players as well, Ken Marks and others. Got plenty of audio to play for you this morning as uh, the Cajuns reported to fall camp yesterday. The players have reported they're going at it. Boy, good morning to get at practice. What's up with this weather, y'all? I mean, it feels like we're in, in like late April. I'm sorry, late April. feels like we're in like early March. Great springtime weather. And here we are in August and it's like low 70s. Of course, that's going to change this weekend. But, hey, high at 91 today, partly cloudy, 20% chance of showers, low as 74 tonight, partly cloudy. That's from the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab and Dave Baker. TSPN 1420.com. I'm Scott Prather. If you're listening to ESPN 1420 live on your desktop or mobile device via our mobile app and in connected cars and on smart speakers, that is brought to you by Champagne's Market and the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Ross Jackson scheduled to join me. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll be separated by a telephone. Great technology created back in the day. Shout out Alexander Graham Bell. We'll be separated by 
many miles. He's in New Orleans. I'm in Lafayette. But if let's say he was in studio. And, you know, I was, neither of us were vaccinated. I am. I can't speak for Oz. He probably is. Um, should we separate ourselves by a plexiglass? Is that, is that the, what if we had to do it like every day? What if we work together? What if we were in the same room? What if we made millions of dollars and a billion dollar industry and one of the 32 representatives companies within that industry was reliant on our ability to go to work. Kirk Cousins says, look, I'm not getting the vaccine, but I'll do whatever I got to do, guys. So I'm going to be vigilant about avoiding a close contact. I've even thought about, should I just set up literally plexiglass around where I sit so that this could never happen again? Um, I thought about it because I'm going to do whatever it takes. I've even thought about surrounding myself with plexiglass, but I'm the quarterback, so I also have to put my hands underneath the center, the center's butt and be in a huddle and shout out plays and do other things that are incorporated into being a starting quarterback. Kirk Cousins. Hey, hey! Oh! What are you? I'm an astronaut. No way, Mom. I'm, I'm some kind of bubble boy. 20 years ago, Jake Gyllenhaal starred in Bubble Boy. I don't know that that movie would be made today. Or maybe it would be, starring Kirk Cousins. It's the great Scott show, the great sports callers, open think tank. As I said, we got Ross Jackson, we got Chris Connor, we got our Pro Nola segment divided between two great guests this morning. We got a lot of sound from Rage Occasion Football. Coming off a season, double-digit wins, 11 and 1, ranked 15th in the country. And now they're what, 29 days away from facing off against Texas and Austin? Coach Billy Napier, he and the team reported yesterday to fall camp. I think the first thing, um, certainly want to compliment uh, Mark Hockey and his staff. Uh, I think they continue to do a good job uh, as we continue to evolve and keep our process sharp. You know, I think. He's done a, a terrific job of leading that area of our organization. You know, Mark Hockey, strength and conditioning, that staff. We'll have some audio from him as well. That's coming up for you later on on the Great Scott Show this morning. More from Coach Napier as well. But up next, Ross Jackson. Tremendous job he does covering the Saints. He's been in training camp. I, you know, I, I, I. I say I try not to get hyperbolic about off-season training camp Saints stuff, but I just can't help it. I'm kind of down right now on the team that I root for. We'll see. We'll see if he can talk me back up or if he's just kind of in on it as well. It's the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this with Ross Jackson on ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Have you downloaded the ESP20 app yet? No. <laughs> Why not? Just tap that app and hear ESPN 1420 programming worldwide. Download the ESPN 1420 app in the iTunes App Store or Google Play. He likes sports takes like he likes food. Spiced, peppery, and anything but bland. Yummy. It's Scott Prater on The Great Scott Show. ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. 
Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Friday morning. As promised, joining me now, Pronola segment part one on the Saints. Ross Jackson from the Locked On Network, host of the podcast Locked On Saints, co-managing editor of Canal Street Chronicles. LockedOnSaints.com to learn more at Ross Jackson Nola if you want to follow him on Twitter. Ross, good morning, man. How are things? Good morning, man. Things are going well. Appreciate you asking. Glad to be here with you this morning. Hope you're doing well. I am. Now, I usually have to begin my mornings because I wake up so early uh, with, you know, a little caffeine. I'm, I, I, don't, uh-huh. I don't really like the taste of coffee, so I pretty much have just stuck on Diet Mountain Dew, which I find that people that drink it a lot, it's kind of all they drink. Um, so I drink, I drink mm-hmm. a good bit in a day. I mean, I, and I, I, I kind of worry that I drink too much of it. Um, but you know how, like, you might do something and you worry what it does to your health. Then you then you meet someone else and you're like, oh, well, they're way worse than I am. So I guess I'm not that bad, <laughs> which is really just an out. You know, it, you're still probably right. drinking too much. But right. to, if, if I were to, like, compare myself to how much caffeine I drink compared to Lions head coach Dan Campbell, I don't know. That, that would that would be kind of dumb. Like, what is your caffeine consumption in a, in a normal day or a normal morning? Well, you know, I'm certainly not over you know, 15,000 milligrams before 8 a.m. or whatever it was that Dan Campbell said. But, you know, I, I do go through a lot of coffee throughout the day. I'm kind of a coffee from morning to night kind of a guy. I do enjoy a night coffee because uh, it doesn't really keep me up at all. It doesn't, like, get me to a point where I'm stimulated so much that I can't go to sleep. I can have a cup of coffee and then go right to bed. So I kind of drink coffee as the same way that somebody might go and pour a Coke throughout the day or like go and have some water throughout the day. And I try to keep my water balanced and intake up with that. But I'm, I'm usually can be found with a cup of coffee at any time during the day. Yeah. So it's like you're, you're similar to me only instead of diet do it's coffee. And then you got to have mm-hmm. the water to balance it, you know, um, right. Dan Campbell right. on the other hand. So per the FDA, you want to have like 400 milligrams of caffeine a day is safe for most healthy adults. You get above mm-hmm. that, it you know, might not be that safe. Well, um, per Google, a, a Pike Place roast uh, is uh, has a venti has four hundred and ten milligrams of caffeine. Uh, as he drinks two a morning, and then puts two shots of espresso in each, and uh, that would come out to one thousand seventy six milligrams of caffeine. Uh, that might oh. be enough to kill a horse. But for Dan Campbell, I guess it's just like a cup of water. Honestly, Ross, I mean, I, I know we're, we're talking Saints, but he, you know, he was most recently on the Saints. Just this soundbite right, right here, it sounds like it's like the beginning of a stand-up special, or it's it's in a stand-up special, and he's setting up for some joke. But this is real life for Dan Campbell. So normally, what I do is I get, I'll get two venti. I go, to, you know, Starbucks. I get two venti of the pipe with. Two shots in them, so black eye in both. That's what I come in with. That's how I start the day. Uh, this, this this guy was in the Saints locker room last year, so I imagine when they would uh, and and years before that, I imagine when they entered the locker room, it was like, 
he was just ready to, I don't know, like wrestle or like get in an octagon. I mean, this this guy's this guy's crazy. Perhaps. <laughs> he's he's crazy, man. I mean, that's that's just insane. Do you think do you think any of this is like embellished a little bit from him because he he seems to I don't know, man. He seems to like the uh, the cameras and the mics the way like a, a professional wrestler might. Or do you think this is like 100% authentic Dan Campbell? He genuinely drinks enough caffeine each morning to kill a horse. You know, usually I, I, I would kind of lean on the side of like, oh, okay, he's playing around or, or something like that. But the fact that he, he knows the specific order like he, he, you know, he, he does right. a specific order and he says, this is exactly what I go through. And then he says, you know, he, he black eyes them both, which is adding those espresso shots to a drip coffee. Uh, I feel like it's a little bit too specific for him not to be talking about exactly what his daily routine is. So I'm going to give him the, I guess I'll call it benefit of the doubt <laughs> and say that, no, yeah, I think he's, I think he's being, uh, that he's being upfront in terms of how he uh, starts his morning off. It's and nuts. you know, look, and maybe maybe the time in New Orleans because there's such great coffee here. Maybe there's time. Maybe his time in New Orleans maybe you know boosted his love for an eight a.m. coffee. You know what I mean? I feel yeah, perhaps. But I feel like he was probably drinking it like when he was like three years old out on the ranch. You know? Yeah, probably. <laughs> he just probably. seems like there's something. <laughs> uh, Ross Jackson, our guest. I know folks are being like Scott. Shut up. Uh, talk about the Saints here. And um, okay, I will. Uh, that's why we have Ross on, um, thoughts, man, the saints are, you know, a weekend up here and very general opening question about it, Ross, but something has must stand out to you more than anything else. What, what's been the biggest takeaway a weekend of camp so far in your mind? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the biggest story going into camp was going to be the quarterback position, the battle between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. And I think the biggest takeaway that I've had so far from being at camp and watching these two guys is that there's not much separation between the two. And, and that can mean a couple of different things, right? Um, I don't want to make it sound like it's altogether a bad thing that there's no separation between the two because both of them are just simply competing their butts off. And that's just, that's just what it is. I mean, both of these guys are continuously trying to make the right decisions, the best decisions, the safest decisions, and working on running the New Orleans Saints offense as we have known it, and then every now and then take a deep shot down the field or something like that. It hasn't been a bunch of fireworks. It hasn't been a bunch of interceptions. It hasn't been anything like that. You've got two interceptions, one from each of these quarterbacks that came over just the last two days. And so they have been very conservative, which you would expect from the New Orleans Saints offense who use the short passing game as an extension of the run. Uh, maybe about 60% of the passes that we've seen so far during camp have gone underneath either to uh, running backs or to tight ends that are running underneath routes. And so you're seeing a lot of those safe choices. The reason why I point that out and the reason why that stands out to me is because neither of them are performing so poorly that the other is able to separate themselves. And the interesting thing is that what makes Taysom special in terms of his mobility, his ability to run through contact, everything, you're never going to see that during training camp because you can't tackle the quarterback in training camp, right? So you're just not going to see that part of his game. But at the same time, the thing that makes Jameis special is his ability to push the ball down the field, the fact that he can throw it 60, 70 yards through the air, but he's not leaning on that. Instead of trying to consistently show everyone that and prove that that's a part of what makes him special, he's running the offense and he's making these shorter, better decisions, smarter decisions. 
And then yesterday he made a not-so-great decision rolling to his left, throwing across his body back to the middle of the field, pretty Brett Favre-esque, uh, and almost got picked off by Zach Bond. But that was really the one bad, quote-unquote, bad decision that we've seen him make so far. So that's probably the thing that stands out to me the most is how tight this quarterback race has stayed. It's it's going to be, I guess, the number one story probably leading up to opening day. I mean, it, at what point sure. do you think they just announce, look, we've got a starter? Do they hold this thing off until Green Bay? Or at some point does Sean Payton say, okay, here's the plan? I wouldn't be surprised to see them hold it off until Green Bay. Even if they know within, like, internally, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't take that information public until the Green Bay week. Just because... We've seen Coach Sean Payton, we've seen the organization, we've seen them do that before. You know, the, they teased a two-quarterback system of Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill far before announcing that Teddy Bridgewater was going to be the starter going up against Seattle that very next week. They waited forever until they confirmed the reports that Taysom Hill was going to be the starter going into the Atlanta Falcons game following Drew Brees' injury in 2020. I think you'll see the same thing here in 2021 that unless that information gets out that in terms of and even if that information does get out they are not going to confirm anything about it until they get to pretty close to the end of that week in preparation for green bay espn 1420 ross jackson our guest from locked on saints podcast and uh, also the co-host of um what, what's the the show you and uh, you and dylan uh, have Oh, D- Dylan and Ross Save Sports are a very, very serious sports show. That's right. And uh, co-managing editor of Canal Street Chronicles covering the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Ross has been up and coming in for a while now, and uh, you guys have likely been seeing him out at camp and uh, all the great work he's putting out there. So <clears throat> my my next, I guess, I'll lead into a question here, Ross. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I try not to get too... I try not to overreact to training camp, at least the first few days. Um, I, I know that, like, most teams are going to say, like, yeah, we like what's happened so far. You know, aside from injuries, right. you're not going to have too many coaches come out and be like, yeah, we suck right now. You know, I mean, you can't deny that an injury can hurt a football team when that happens, but it's going to be positive. And I'm not even, like, I'm not being cynical and blah for a coach for doing that. You want to create that positive energy, keep it going, it's camp, you know, everyone's somewhat optimistic. I just, I, I, I'm being accused of being this, this pessimist in regards to the Saints' outlook in 2021. I think I'm being a realist, but many of the listeners and others are confusing me of being a pessimist because it's, it's just, it's been in my mind a brutal offseason. Um, this roster, in my opinion, is not, it's, it's certain, it's not as good as it was last year. Um, you mm-hmm. mentioned the quarterback battle. It's quarterbacks a question mark. Bottom line, I think the Saints have a great yep. O line. I think they have a great running back. You've got major questions at receiver. You're not going to have Michael Thomas to start the season. He is uh, an enigma on one hand, if you want to look at it in a positive way, and just a head case if you want to be a pessimist. However you want to look at it, I mean, there's something going on with Michael Thomas. Don't know why I didn't get a second opinion. Um, on defense, I mean, you've you've lost a lot at the D-line. Uh, we'll see who can step up at linebacker next to Davis. Major questions in the secondary. Lattimore will probably miss some games for suspension. I mean, I'm not saying anything that a Saints fan doesn't already know, but, like, all of those things combined, Ross, it doesn't feel like this offseason. 
you know, I mean, Deontay Harris might miss time with the DWI. Like all of these things combined, mm-hmm. I'm not sitting here saying, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. The Saints are gonna be right back, winning the NFC South. I mean, I, I'm not saying they're gonna be drafting number one overall in 2022. I'm not I'm not saying they're gonna be one of the worst teams in the league. But I, I'm I'm finding it hard to say I think the Saints are going to have a winning record next season. Am I being a realist or am I being a pessimist based on what you've seen over the first week of camp and and over the last few months of the in, in terms of the off season? Yeah, I mean, like I, I think that everything that you said is 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 realistic, right? I mean, you you look at what it is the Saints have 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 endured so far this off season, and you know from from top to bottom, this roster is a bit less good than it was last year because they also lost a lot of the middle of the roster to free agency. They lost their special teams captains, their special teams players like Craig Robinson and, 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 and Justin Hardy, who might not have a lot of impact on the defensive side, but definitely has a lot of impact on their ability to be able to affect offenses beginning their drives, like flipping the field, doing all these things. And then you look at the depth that they had last year to where they had the space to develop some of these players that were maybe undrafted free agents or, you know, late round picks and everything because they had depth on the defensive line. And now you're kind of thinning at the defensive line, particularly in the interior with the suspension to David on Yamada. And so I think that there's, you know, enough reason to look at this team and say, Oh, they might be in some trouble here, at least early on in the season. But the, the way that I generally look at it when it comes to this, this team and this organization is that they've consistently not only managed but overcome adversity. You know, I mean, you can look at the 8-1 and one record without Drew Brees, sure, but you can also look at the records that they've had to where they've, you know, two years ago when they played with an Alvin Kamara that just wasn't fully Alvin Kamara, and he walked away with six touchdowns that season, but that offense was still operating at a high level. And then you had, and they only had one pass-catching option in that season, which was... Uh, Michael Thomas. That's why he had 149 receptions that season. You look at last year where Michael Thomas was consistently out. You know, the, yes, they had Emmanuel Sanders, but Emmanuel Sanders during that time had two games where he had over uh, 50, 50 receiving yards, had two games where he had uh, just over four or five catches, and then also missed two of those games in concert with Michael Thomas because of health and safety protocols. And so, and he only had two touchdowns during those games as well. Now he looked toward the, the bottom three games of the season where Michael Thomas was out. But by then, the Saints had kind of already sealed their playoff position and everything. So they had performed well without Michael Thomas. I think you can expect them to do all those things again. The key is that they haven't had to do it without Drew Brees and Michael Thomas or Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara. There's always been at least two of these players in concert with one another on the field whether or not Drew Brees has been on the field and Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas more times than, than they aren't are. And so I think that it's just about seeing how they can piece things together over on the offensive side. On the defensive side, I will say that this defense has performed better than I thought that they would at this time. And it's not because I didn't expect the defense to the defensive players to be skilled. It's just that usually when you have as much turnover and they had turnover at all three levels, of the defense, all four, four out of five majors, if you break it down a little bit further, the only place that they didn't really have any type of turnover was the safety position. Everything else, cornerback, linebacker, defensive tackle, defensive end, someone's not there anymore. And so I expected the cohesion to not be as crisp and as clean as we've seen in the past because of communicating, learning to communicate with other players, things changing, new makeup, all this other stuff. But guys like Chris Richard and these, these guys that are here on the coaching staff, 
have been remarkable in making sure that that unit can operate exactly as that a unit. And so I think that that's where they're actually better than I expected. But on the offensive side, you're still looking for things to get rolling with the new communication factor and the new signal caller factor. Ross Jackson, our guest. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN 1420 looking at the defensive side, saying that it's looking better than you thought through the first week. How is, uh, you know, Christian Ringo, I know, had a good day yesterday. He is a, a former Asian Cajun that we covered uh, closely here. He's, he's a, a great young man. Um, I'm a fan of Chris. But mm-hmm. how, um, you know, it's, it's almost like when you look at the D tackles and what the Saints lost, which is a lot, uh, and not having on Yamada to, to start the season, folks will point to Roach or Tuttle or, or one of these other guys. And um, until yesterday, it seemed like Ringo was kind of not discussed much. Do you feel like a strong day at camp like he had yesterday kind of puts him into the mix for you know a roster spot and, and, a, and a place in the rotation? Yeah, I think you have to take notice. I mean, you know, him getting reps with the first team was new. And so being able to see him continuously climb up the ladder that way and to be able to make plays while he's doing that, right? So it's about opportunity. It's about the intent of the opportunity. And then it's about rising to the opportunity. And so far, he's checking all three of those boxes. He's getting the opportunity. The opportunity is there for him because of the fact that there's going to be, you know, a massive gap at defensive tackle, at least for the first six games through the Week 7 matchup against the Seattle Seahawks, and then his ability to be able to take advantage of the opportunity has certainly been evident, particularly in yesterday's practice where he had a really, really nice day, some tackles for a loss, some penetration, some disruption into the backfield. He's doing a really good job there, and he's also doing a great job as a run stuffer as well, which is, you know, the Saints, they focus so much on run defense, which is why I think maybe you've seen some run-heavy practices over the course of this offseason as well that him being able to contribute in that area specifically is uh, is really good for him. I thought it was going to be a bit of a tall task for him, I'm not going to lie, because I know how much the Saints like Jalen Dalton, Shy Tuttle, Malcolm Roach. They were already up at the top of that conversation. And I thought that it was going to be a little bit tough for him to push through some of the other guys like Josiah Bronson and, uh, and some of these others that are there. But he has actually done a very, very good job. Uh, Ryan Glasgow was another one because he's a veteran, so I expected that the Saints would lean a little bit more to the vet. But he's pushed his way through, and um, you know, I'm excited to watch him again this morning when, when we begin camp here in a little bit. But uh, you know, with what we saw from him yesterday, he's certainly on the right. He's certainly on the right path. There's an extra spot to be had there to start the season with uh, Onyemata serving that suspension. So uh, those guys, somebody take advantage of that opportunity, make the most of it. Ross Jackson, our guest. Uh, you talked about the run defense. Um, I, I don't. I think Quan Alexander being back on the team. I saw somebody write that. This could help the run defense. I don't. I personally don't know that that's really his strength. You know, in terms of filling the gap, I think he's just look. I think he's great sideline to sideline tackling in the open field, pass coverage. Uh, I also think you know it's amazing that he's back where he is, coming off an Achilles tear. But I, there's a lot of excitement about that signing, and I'm kind of, um, I don't know, I cautiously optimistic I, I I thought when he and DeMario were together last year you saw the makings of something special and yet I don't know that Alexander just comes in here and and gets to be that guy that plays next to Davis we know the Saints like to run five DBs so you're gonna have two linebackers on the field most of the time not so much week one Ross because Alexander may still be kind of coming along coming off the injury but by week four, mm-hmm. what do you like? Who do you think is the starting linebacker next to Demario Davis by the time you you know you reach the the end of the first quarter of the season? 
I mean, I think we'll see Pete Werner quite a bit, um, just watching him in camp. And, and I'll be honest, is, has really impressed too. But I think Pete Werner is probably your most pro-ready guy that's out there. And I think Pete Werner does more, does a lot more for you in the run game uh, than Quan Alexander does, which is no shade of Quan Alexander, just that that's not where the strength of his game is. The strength of his game is his ability to be athletic, to make cuts, to make quick reads, to you know click and react and do all these things that he does so well, particularly in the passing game. So I think that Pete Werner is the guy that I'm still going to continue to watch here because I don't know how quickly Quan Alexander is going to be ready. I mean, it was great to watch him run some drills yesterday. He was kind of off to the side doing some conditioning work. You could see him making cuts, moving fluidly and all of that, but it was time in between the reps where he was going full speed. It was time in between the reps that I was watching. And you could see, you know, that there was still some, you know, some ginger, some gingerness, if you will, to the way that he was moving around. And so I think that, you know, that's going to take time and they're going to take their time too. with that. There's no reason to rush him. He can take as much time as he needs, honestly, all here throughout the preseason because they want to get him back as quickly as they can to as much of what they saw last year. While they're doing that, I think that, you know, the rookie that they invested a second round draft pick in this year, Pete Werner is still my front runner personally when it comes to that linebacker spot. But I'll tell you, I mean, Pete Werner, Zach Bond, Chase Hansen, and Andrew Dowell all consistently make plays throughout training camp. And they're consistently all over the field with their respective teams. But Pete Werner, I give the nod right now because he's the one that's most consistently next to Demario Davis in first team. ESPN 1420, Ross Jackson, our guest. I'm Scott Prather. It's a great Scott show coming at you on a Friday morning. If you're listening to ESPN 1420 live on your desktop or mobile device via our mobile app, connect to car, smart speakers, wherever it is. That is brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Week one against the Green Bay Packers. Um, let's assume that Marshawn Lattimore won't be able to play due to suspension. Um, who, who would be starting at cornerback one and cornerback two for the Saints in that game? As of right now, from what I can tell from camp and seeing who's getting first-team reps and who's getting the early second-team reps, I think that it might end up being, in that case, Patrick Robinson and Ken Crawley in terms of who's on the roster right now, right? If they make another move, then obviously that, that means something. But I will say Paulson Adivo has been getting some work at Marshawn Lattimore's spot with the second team. And so while Patrick Robinson is getting his work over at the left side in you know, the opposite of Marshawn Lattimore, when you get to second team, Paul Sinadivo has moved his way up now to being right behind Marshawn Lattimore at Marshawn Lattimore's spot. So that could mean that if Paul Sinadivo continues to progress because he is catching on to the game very quickly, much quicker than I expected, if he continues to progress, then it could be Patrick Robinson and Paul Sinadivo. So you feel and like Adebo should should get a shot? I feel, I feel like if he continues to progress and he continues to do what he's doing here so far during camps where he's making plays on the ball, he's running stride for stride with these receivers, he's being very physical, he, he's doing all of the things that you want to see from an outside cornerback. If he can continue to develop, if he can continue to just get a little bit more fluid in his transitions, if he can continue to uh, be able to you know, make plays on the ball, and, and if there are certain areas of his game that he can improve, like his footwork and his hips and things like that, I think if he can do that, then he, he should get an opportunity or he could work his way into an opportunity. Get an opportunity is probably where the, he is yeah. now. Get an opportunity is probably yeah. the phrase I should use. Maybe get a shot. I mean, it depends on what you're talking about. I could use that phrase as well, but... 
Um, <laughs> that that I, I, I it's it's hard not to like for me the biggest I guess concern really is is cornerback because look they didn't they didn't want to cut Janoris Jenkins they had to it was no. it was the cap it was I mean he I, I feel like they had the best number two corner in football. And that's gone, and with Lattimore potentially missing time, when Ross, at point, do we should we find out about Lattimore and what a suspension might look like for him, based off the off-season incident up in the in the Cleveland area a few months ago? Yeah, I, I wish I had an answer for you on that. It, it, it is it is strange, uh, not strange, excuse me, but it is it is different than I expected. In that, the the Saints haven't heard anything from the league about it at this time, and the you know, the the courts in, in Cleveland and Ohio, there hasn't been anything pushing this case forward at all. It's kind of just sitting there. And so I don't know when we should expect to hear anything. It's you hear it's one of those things where it's possible that you hear something tomorrow. It's possible that you hear something right before week one. It's possible that you hear something later on in the season once the court case does proceed and does move forward and progress. It, it is it's challenging to put a timeline to it right now because even the court case itself in Cleveland hasn't really moved at all and hasn't been set to progress. So uh, until that happens, maybe the NFL is waiting for that to happen before they do their independent investigation to figure out what's going on here. Or, you know, maybe they just decide to move ahead independently. It's really hard to tell because the legal process versus the league's process will be completely independent of one another. Ross Jackson, our guest. Ross, uh, if you could, I'd like to ask a favor of you when you're watching camp. Um, Mm -hmm. keep, Keep an eye on us. On uh, number thirty-six, uh, Deuce Wallace. He, um, mm-hmm. you know, we have a, a a you know, he's from here, played high school here, played college ball here, and actually one of the hosts of one of our shows here on ESPN fourteen twenty used to teach him and coach him in high school. I feel like, you know, look, he's he's got he's got a battle in front of him to make a roster or potentially the practice squad, but. I feel like that's on special teams where he'd have to do it. We we mentioned earlier, right? All the Saints right. have to replace on special teams. I think that was a big part of the signing of Wallace because they've put a premium on special teams here. Um, I would say really whenever things started to turn for him in 2017, we look at the draft a lot and we look at other areas. But there was a stretch there in those seven and nine seasons where the Saints special teams was awful outside of Thomas Morstead mm-hmm. and they really started putting more signing guys specifically for that, bringing guys up specifically for that. JT Gray, I mean, he's all pro caliber right. player. Why? On special teams, right? So, um, yeah, if you don't mind, just – I know he's not going to be one of these guys that, that anyone's focused on at camp, but can you can you uh, keep an eye out for him uh, on, uh, on him for us today and, and maybe let us know on Locked On Saints or on your Twitter feed? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you that, you know, he's somebody that I look for because I try to keep my eye on all of these, uh, the local talent that's around himself, Jalen McCleskey, and then, of course, Christian Ringo, for instance, uh, amongst a couple of others. But I do try to keep my eye on him. And I, most, of, most of his work has been, you know, third-team safety, but where he's getting opportunities is at special teams. And I think he's, he's done pretty well there thus far. So I'll continue to update on him, and I'll continue to keep an eye out on these uh, local prospects that I know are, are, are close to a lot of hearts out here. If you're listening and you don't follow Ross on Twitter, change that. Do it not while you're driving, but as soon as you pull over, log on. Yes, please be safe. At Ross Jackson Nola. Yeah, don't be Dan Campbell. Don't be driving. If he drinks, <laughs> I know I'm circling back here, but 1,076 milligrams of coffee. If he drinks that before he goes, 
I mean, talk about the Motor City. He must drive to the facility like he's at like the the Indy Five Hundred or something. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of hope he like I kind of hope he like picks it up, goes to the facility, closes the doors, and then drinks it, drinks all that at the facility as opposed to drinking it and then getting on the road. You know what I'm saying? He's gosh, man, that guy. I. <laughs> I, the the lion. This is the deal when it comes to characters like Dan Campbell Ross, and I'm sure you agree. And I've said it many times. Like he hasn't coached a game yet for the Lions, so right now it's it's fun, and you know people have hot takes. Well, this is awesome, or this is dumb, or whatever. And I I it's it I think it's fun, but if the Lions mm-hmm. win, all of these shenanigans won't be looked at as shenanigans. They'll be looked at as like just these amazing feats and wow, it's what makes them great. And if they lose and they do what the Lions typically do, he's just going to be laughed at and oh, what a joke. I mean, that's that's it. Right. Winning and losing. I mean, I remember when Marty Morinwick, who was a terrible head coach in Detroit, he was doing all this tough guy stuff when he first got there and he like called off a training camp practice early and called everyone pathetic and rode off on a motorcycle and like revved it up an extra like nine times. It was so <laughs> annoying. And everyone's like, I mean, this is early 2000s. They're like, oh, all right, they need this in Detroit. And they go out and they win like two or three games and everyone's like, yeah, it's all kind of just laughable at this point. Now, Campbell's a totally different animal and he's, you know, he's a little more endearing i guess i i think it's somewhat endearing because it's it makes me smile but man if they lose it's uh it's not happening same thing with players right i mean a player can be fun and and goofy and everyone loves it and fans will turn on them quickly if they're fun and goofy but then they're they're not playing well on sunday i mean come on it's it's fans everybody's fickle right Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting. I I want I, I kind of root for them because I want to see people somehow flip this into genius. That that's really what I want to see. <laughs> there it is. Ross Jackson has been our guest. Um, go give him a follow. Listen to Locked On Saints. Support his work. He's uh, he's been up and coming for a while now, doing a great job. And uh, I know, you know, in the last few years, Ross, your profile's been heightened. Do I think the first time I heard you was on with maybe. Uh, Deuce and those guys, um, but um, but you're a great follower. You do great content, and uh, I enjoy what you're doing. Appreciate you coming on, man, and uh, don't be a stranger. Hopefully we can have you on again in the future, and I'll talk uh, mainly about the Saints and not as much about caffeine. Well, you know, I mean, we'll see what Dan Campbell says the day before, and then we'll yeah. then we'll we'll address that. Yeah. Uh, we'll address that. But no, man, always a pleasure to be here with you. Appreciate all the support and everything that you've shown as well, along with the journey. So, you know, when when you call him here, I, I appreciate you a lot, man. All the best, Ross. Have a good one, man. Uh, and uh, we'll be following you today as you're out, out at uh, at Saints training camp. Appreciate you, homie. Stay safe. You got it. That is Ross Jackson. Check him out. Uh, Locked on Saints, also the Houdet Confessional Podcast and um, Canal Street Chronicles covering the Saints over there as well. Good stuff from him. ESPN1420.com. I'm Scott Prather.